Today's sermon is going to be titled, Yesterday's Prophecies, Today's Headlines. As we're going into 2022, I, I, think of, I can think of no better chapter that has such pinpoint accuracy than Matthew 24 of where we are. Just in this one chapter, you will see verses and you will see with, with news programs, whether you read it over print media or social media. Or, or over the television. And you will, you will be able to see this with, with some insight that the Bible has to say on it. Now, I want to warn you in advance, this is a lot to take in. I'm trying to get this in a small amount of time. And this will seem a little strong and dark. But we need to talk about this, right? The end is not near, it is here. We are living in the last of the last days. And it's time for us as the church to be the light, to shine brighter than we've ever shined before. See, we as the church have the answer for what is going on in the world today. This is not to alarm you, but to give you understanding and clarity of what you are seeing today. First Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I'm afraid that some in the church are being devoured with fear and confusion, a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, unaware of what is truly going on behind the scenes. But you will have a biblical context to lay your head on at night if you pay attention. I want to give you confidence in the scriptures and confidence in the plan of God. We are right on schedule as to what God is doing. God is fixing to wrap this thing up. And we're going to break down some of these words in their original language because it gives you a better understanding. The Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And Miss Babs had gotten with me last, well, last, well, this year, somewhere in the middle, and, and approached me uh, and, and Ms. Tamara Wells about doing a class because we really don't understand a lot of what's going on. And, I, and as she was saying, it, it, she believes that it produces a fear in people. And we do not need to be fearful. We're the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And the we're going to talk about some of the signs, but then I'm going to give you a key sign that you and I can do something about. So we're beginning with where are we? This is the first main point. And I'm going to read the verses that we're going to talk about. Matthew 24, 3 through 14. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. 
and false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity or lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach your word and the anointing of those here to receive your word, either in, in the sanctuary or watching over online. And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege to understand your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So they asked him when. They said, be exact. Tell us exactly when this will happen. And, and they said, what? Exactly what are the details? The question is, how do we know we've reached the end of the age? It's not the end of the world as we know it, because God's going to rejuvenate the world after the second coming and the millennial reign and all that time. And I also want to stop here. If you would like to sign up for these classes, they're going to be from January 5th to February 9th. Uh, the the signups are in the lobby at the Info Center, and we're going to talk about everything that has to do with the last days. Uh, a lot of people uh, are wondering about what's going on, and we're going to go into extreme detail. So if you would like to be part of that, you can sign up in the Info Center. So point number one, deception will be rampant. Matthew 24, 4, take heed that no man deceive you. This literally means pay attention. He's saying watch. Matthew 24, 11. I'm going to give you a lot of verses too, if that's okay. Rather let the Bible talk. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. So the first thing I want to talk about is from verse 4 and verse 11. Jesus warned that deception would be the primary sign that we have come to the end. He said, take heed. It was meant to jar the audience that he was talking to. The word deceive means to wander off course. For someone who has begun solid and then begins to drift. Jesus was speaking of a society that would wander off the course of truth. You hear it all the time. People say, that's my truth, right? That's the wanderers. It doesn't matter what your truth is. Only thing that matters is what the biblical truth is in a situation. Or, the, or what God says about it. We can have opinions all day. What does God say about the situation is what is right. As a mass departure from truth into moral confusion and societal deception. It's front and center today. Just in this nation alone, we have seen people completely wander off spiritually, morally, lawlessly, even creating new forms of deception in a supposed civilized civilization, even trying to use science. Deception and confusion is on hyperspeed and worldwide. How many of you have heard the term wokeness? Wokeness is deemed as enlightenment. Remember, Satan is an angel of light. He is an angel of enlightenment. From entertainment to sports, to the, to the schools, to the news, we are constantly being preached messages every single day, all day long. And we must be careful to be able to see the truth behind the narratives. Isaiah 50, 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, 
Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. That's the my truth bunch. Deception and the spirit of Antichrist has been here. And it's accelerating at a speed and you can see it very clearly. First John 4, 3 says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and is now already in the world. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking, man, this is getting dark. We just had Christmas. <laughs> Paul would tell the Thessalonians in Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 11, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Many people believe that that's the church because the Holy Spirit will be here saving people during the tribulation period. And he operates through his church. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to greatly be deceived and they will believe these lies. Now, deception is expected in the world, right? They're deceptive false lights. There's false morality. There is a false unity that gathers around what God opposes. Sin is that was done in back alleys or now on Main Street and applauded. Everyone has a platform now, right? The guy from his mother's basement can let loose on social media. The argumentative debater can now confront people with their truth and, and try to buck the truth of God's word. The mentality now is there's no absolute truth, so everything is up for debate. But Romans 1 tells us, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. See, the rejection of truth brings a darkness and a futile mindset. This mindset even puts Christianity in a terrorist cate category. There are probably news headlines that are coming to your mind even as we speak. Let me give you a quick instant of something that I've seen recently. This statue is in front of the United Nations building in New York City. And it is called the Guardian of Peace and Security. Now think of this. Now I want to say up front that I don't believe this is the symbol of the Antichrist or the beast of Revelation 7. I mean, I'm sorry, Daniel 7 or the beast of Revelation 13. But I do want to bring out the similarities of these beasts mentioned to a random statue outside of an organization looking for world domination. In other words, if you reject the Bible, maybe use a dog face, right? Not something that is biblical. I want to frame these, these, these scriptures in, in a context. Daniel would speak as a prophetic imagery of the history of the nations or kingdoms that followed each other. And if you study history, Daniel had it at such a pinpoint accuracy that when you study it in a secular university, it lines up biblically. And he would give these kingdoms that would come all the way from the Old Testament, all the way into the new, which is Revelation, the Antichrist kingdom. Daniel 7, 4 says, the first was like a lion. 
and had eagle's wings. You could see the picture is a lion with eagle's wings. Then in John describes the future beast together with the book of Daniel and the revelation in Daniel. So look at this thing. Revelation 13, 2. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like that of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. So when you see the picture, it's the face of a lion. His feet are like those of a bear. Think of that. Daniel's telling us it had eagle's wings. So I'm saying I don't think that this is just a coincidence. There's also prophetic imagery with ten nations in Daniel and in Revelation that have ten horns. Remember the Daniel, Daniel statue of Nebuchadnezzar was a statue like this and it had ten toes. Well, that's the same imagery of the ten toes, which are ten kingdoms that come in the last days. Right now, the UN is up to 193 nations, and if it is that organization, it will come down to 10. Daniel was told to seal up the book until the time of the end. Daniel 12.4 says, but you, Daniel, <coughs> conceal these words and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. From the Garden of Eden till the 1900s, everybody rode horses. Look how much we have gained. From the 1900s till now, knowledge will increase. Also, knowledge of the scriptures. What we are witnessing is the unveiling of knowledge of what Daniel and John saw. And this imagery that we're seeing is just a biblical imagery of what is forming behind the scenes. My point is, in a secular world, look how we are seeing biblical beast imagery right in front of our faces. The Antichrist will come and, and we see chaos right now, right? Everything is chaotic. This, this kingdom will eventually feed on chaos and offer security and offer peace, right? And one day a man shall take this organization over or a organization over and will promise these types of things. He will rule with the deceptive peace. He will rule with unity and he will rule over fear. The reality is here today, the fear of loss, the fear of health, the fear of our jobs, products and security. And there is a system coming that will deceptively speak to these securities. See, you can control the masses if you can control them with fear. That's why Jesus says, fear not. He always would say, fear not. And there will come a day when if you do not comply with this system, you cannot buy nor sell. Hear me, I'm not saying that this is what is going on now, but you're seeing a foreshadow of all the things that are to come. There will be a, a system that monitors and restricts called the mark of the beast system in the future. Look at what Paul tells us in First Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security what was the name of that statue the guardian of peace and security I don't believe this is by accident it says then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you so we're talking about them and you and I, 
are not in darkness, brethren, that that day should surprise you like a thief. For we are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For God has not destined us for wrath. Praise God. But to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we are awake or asleep. This is whether you're dead or alive at the rapture of the church. We might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, these nations are masquerading as peace and security. But it's to blind us from the true prince of peace that is coming. I just said the true prince of peace that is coming. Think about that. All what you're seeing right now will one day vanish. And the king of kings will rule from the city of his father, David, and all the nations will come. And that will be the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Amen. My goal is to show you that these verses are alive and well in the context of our time. We must make a decision not to be ruled by fear and not to be ruled by deception. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. Amen. Now, number two, the second part of this same point, deception in the church. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. This tells us two things, that one, people will come and actually claim to be the Messiah, and people will also come in the authority of his name, claiming to operate under the kingdom of God. Have we seen this? I saw that there was at least 48 people that claimed to be Jesus or the Messiah. But David Koresh came, Jesus with glasses. Jesus with glasses. That wouldn't have fooled me. I'm sorry. There's other religions who claim that their Messiah is in the desert waiting to come out. Matthew 24, verse 26 says, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, even if possible, the elect. See, I've told you. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. That's a cheat sheet. The second meaning is in my name means on the strength and reputation of my name. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, now the Holy Spirit tells us, <coughs> excuse me, that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Now, obviously, we've seen this in the realm of ministries over the years because of money or scandal or multitude of false teachings. Some now are embracing worldviews on sinful issues. Bible teaching is considered hate speech and boring in some churches. The point is, just because you see a worldwide ministry or a popular ministry doesn't mean that it is godly, even though they do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 5 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance of their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, you, be sober. 
in all things, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. God has given all of us a ministry. And we want to encourage you, go to next steps and see how God has wired you and see what the giftings are and get plugged in and get started in this fight for the kingdom of God. This is preaching that tickles the ear. It's preaching that says, tell us smooth things. It's life coaching. I'm not a life coach. It's self-help or a social gospel. No conviction of sin and no conviction of right living. So we can see that deception is rampant in both spheres. But listen, what an honor to be here in these last days. The apostles longed to be here in these days. They kept telling us, when's the end? When's the end? And God didn't put David here. He didn't put Paul here. He put you and I here to carry the torch of the gospel into a dark and dying world. Amen. Are there areas of deception that you have bought into? Number two, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24, verse 6 says you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. They have, they have had wars all the time, right? We've been through countless wars throughout history. But the word war here describes an armed conflict, which can be battles, fights, skirmishes, and large-scale conflicts. That's what the word means. Jesus is saying this would simultaneously happen all over the place to the end of the age. I want you to see these are not American signs. These are world signs. You're seeing this all over the world. Luke gives us another insight. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, then we see about an insurrection that happened at the Capitol. This is what it was being called in the media. We saw war in the streets over television as many cities were in upheavals and capacities as we've never seen before. The headlines actually would read insurrections. And Jesus does not work for the news. I love how these words are on in front of us today. Jesus is not trying to sneak up on us. He is telling you, he's warning us. And he is wanting us to see the signs of the times. Some translation says commotion. In Luke 21, 9, it says disturbances, disorder, and confusion. Do you think we live in a day of confusion? It says, be not terrified or panic or extreme. It means to experience extreme horror or terror or to be terrorized. In other words, in Jesus's day, they were, when they were in Israel, they would be in, in Rome was in occupying that area. They would have zealots that would come and they would create pockets of terrorism. And you never knew when it was going to happen. And they were trying to overthrow the government. And that's why they wanted Jesus to be a political leader. We saw this happen in 2010 with the Arab Spring that swept through Egypt and Bahrain and Libya and Syria and North Africa, which created a power vacuum for the players that are right now in Syria from Ezekiel 38 and 39. And we'll see that in a future uh, <coughs> class that we're doing, how exactly God intervenes. Terrorist attacks have been our new norm since September 11th and has created havoc and terror in every part of the world. Here in the States, our schools, communities, theaters, restaurants, and churches have felt this terror. 
The word rumor means an ear, means you will be hearing of these things. You will be getting earfuls of these types of situations in a nonstop flow is what it means in the Greek. <clears throat> when you look at what's happening in the Middle East right now, there's so much turmoil. There's so much going on. Ezekiel 38 tells us, it tells us in the, 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 the name of the nations in the Bible, but today the nations are Russia, Turkey, Iran, Libya, and Sudan, who are right now in the north part of, the, of, of Israel, which is Syria. And then you see in Ezekiel 38, 13, Sheba and Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia, and the merchants of Tarshish, which are in, some say the young lions, which could possibly be the United States because we came out of the lion, which is Britain. And for the first time, you're seeing them on the sideline. Saudi Arabia has been an enemy of Israel for years, and now they are joined together as friends. And you have Sheba and Dedan, and you have America possibly on the sideline during this battle. There was an interview with Benjamin Netanyahu in 2018, and the interviewer said, why do you think Iran is aligning with Russia in Syria? And during that time, it was to wipe ISIS out of the area. And Netanyahu says, I think Iran wants to move its army to Syria now that the war against ISIS is winding down from there. The question that is answered, that is asked in Ezekiel 38 and 13 says, have you come to capture a spoil? That's what the nations are asking as they come in. And look at what Benjamin Netanyahu said. I think that they are there in competition for the spoils. Biblical terminology is being used in today's hearing. Ezekiel says that Israel will be dwelling safely in the land and they will be attacked by Russia, Iran, and Turkey who are tanking financially even as we speak. So the point is, there is coming a, a battle in Ezekiel that is just on the horizon. In fact, if you watch the news, you can see Israel possibly about to attack Iran, which would cause this battle to take place. But God himself will intervene and destroy all of these people that are coming against the holy city of Israel. And if you want to learn more about that, I think that will be our first class. Number three, racial and religious division. Are you still with me? For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. So number three, racial and religious division. Another way that you know that you are living in the end of the age is the supremacy of division. Nation in the word is ethnos, where we get ethnic group. Today we see all around us, every ideology known to man has locked horns. We see racial, gender, political, religious, and sexual division across the board, ripping at our fabric of society. We see issues of disarray, of injustices on all sides that are creating powder kegs of pockets of, of turmoil in different communities. We see a massive disunity in government. Look at Australia and Canada and Germany. Look here in the States. Republican and Democrats are trying to rip each other's heads off. And they're in these endless court battles. That's what it's meaning. Nation against nation means epi, which is forcibly and violently are going upon. What you're having is ideology clamoring for supremacy 
And that's what you're seeing in all these talking points. You can't just have an opinion here, an opinion here. One has to take the other one over. Jesus comes back in that climate. What can we do to fix this? Be the church. We need to be the church. The blood-bought, blood-washed body of Christ that is unified. And we would squash all this by our living as an example and not getting involved in civilian affairs, the Bible calls. Man's wisdom will never bring an Ethiopia, (laughs) Ethiopia, utopia of unity. (laughs) There's one bride in heaven made up of many voices, many tribes, many tongues. And that's how it should be in every single church in America. When, amen, praise God. When Satan comes in like a flood, God should be able to raise up the church as the standard. Right now we are in an onslaught of battles on all front. But we need to rise up and love our neighbor. Embrace each other. Lay down the divisions of the world. If we want to stop racism, you and I don't be racist. We can affect our own people group, right? The people that God has placed in between, in our communities. We love them as Christ loves us. If we want to stop hate, we don't have hate in our heart. We love our neighbor. Amen? We need to stop listening. I know I normally teach, but this is preaching, I think, right? (laughs) The problem is we're listening to Satan's stupid mouthpieces. We need to listen to the and get our marching orders from the kingdom of God. It starts with us individually living out the truth of the gospel in our own lives. We got to live it out before we talk about it, right? Satan is on the move because he knows his time is short. He's about to get his little behind kicked and cast into the lake of fire. Amen. You could say behind, right? Miss Bab said, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Todd. <laughs> Miss Tanya. <laughs> well, I'm starting to get the next sweats. <laughs> but listen, we could either step back and let Satan have his way, or we could do something in our own lives, which would reflect the church that you and I come to. Because we come together. And the power and anointing of the gospel in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 18 and 21 says, May you have the power to understand all. I'm sorry, understand as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how love, how how deep is his love. I'm sorry. This little thing I have in my throat is getting to my brain. I'm like, please don't let something come out. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can think or ask. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. This verse tells us the more that we understand God's love, we can come together in completeness and the fullness of power. It doesn't say the more we understand the talking points of the media, 
or social media. What we can accomplish is far more than what we can think or ask for the kingdom of God. Think about this in in, in the time of the Old Testament, when they were trying to build the Tower of Babel, God said, there's nothing they cannot accomplish if they come together, so I'm going to mess up their tongues. I'm going to mess up their ability to communicate. And then we have another incident in the book of Acts, when God brought the church together and he said, you're about to devastate this world for the kingdom of God. We are still living in the time of the book of the Acts. It, is, it does not, con- not end. How much more have we come together and allow the power of God to be poured out upon us that we can accomplish anything for the kingdom of God? You want to see healing? Unify as the church. You want to see power? Unify as the church. You want to see change? Unify as the church. Amen? Then he says, kingdom against kingdom. And this is where we get the word basilica or religion versus a religion. Religion is nothing more than a belief system of ideology. So it's saying ideology fighting with other ideology or trying to overtake. This refers to nations or belief systems, political parties, alliances, ideological factions, factions maneuvering for power. We see this by the wielding of weaponization of media, right? We see this. Talking points are just flying at you. Some believers take more of a political stance than a biblical stance. It refers to a dominion or a realm of power, of influence, is what is happening. All you see today is an ideological war, shooting arrows and swords, coming for each other, and you get caught in the crosshair. Christ's kingdom will come and destroy all of these ideologies and kingdoms and grind it to face powder at his second coming. This is the climate Jesus is saying he will come back in the midst of. Do you think we're there? Number four, famines and pestilence. He says there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Famines in the Greek is limos, which is plural. It's multiple famines, multiple scarcity of grains, deficits of all type, which also can include financial deficits. It's not just talking about world hunger. There will be hunger all over the world. There's 8 billion people on this earth, and one out of nine suffer from chronic undernourishment, which is about 815 million people. As of 2020, almost 30% of the world is food insecure, according to worldhunger.org. Not to mention the shortages all over the world. This is a factor because of the displacement of people due to wars and destruction. The displacement causes lack of food and jobs. And makes everything worse. Migration and immigration makes a big deal if you're not prepared to take in people into your country. Right now, there are more than one billion people on this earth that, that earn a dollar twenty-five a day. And Jesus is saying, in the end of days, you would see this on a grand scale. Then you had locusts that were devouring entire farms in Africa in less than 30 seconds. And these swarms went through the Middle East and even reached China. It destroyed food food supplies in Kenya, Somalia, and Ethiopia. And it was called the worst swarm in decades. You can see video of this. Weather patterns such as drought in some areas and complete flooding in the other. There's fires raging. 
Look at what happened in Australia. Lockdowns caused food shortages and lack of food movement. The economy in Jesus' day was mostly of grain in the first century. A famine of grain would have financially shook the entire world. This was the economic world that they lived in. In other words, if they had a stock market, it would crash multiple times. Remember in the story of Joseph in Egypt, they had to put away grain to survive the famine. So Jesus is saying when you understand this in the context, in the Greek context, there would be widespread hunger and widespread shortages of all types. Mark adds this in verse 8, 13 verse 8. There would be famines and troubles. Troubles in the Greek is stirred up, agitated, anxious turmoil. Do you see that today? In this world, the earth is filled with many types of shortages which will ultimately bring in an economic collapse that will usher in a global reset, which is the table of contents to the Antichrist playbook. We have seen this on multiple discussions of the removal of currency, and those things are coming because there's a mark of the beast system that comes in to try to save the world from inflation. You see inflation today. What you can see is a foreshadowing. Listen, these are tribulation signs. We're seeing it's as if the sun is shining on the tribulation and we're seeing the, the shadow of it. We're living in the last of the last of the last days. In fact, during the summer, you saw that you had to have certain proofs to enter into an indoor gym and restaurant, right? You cannot buy nor sell in some cases. I saw with Ticketmaster, you couldn't go unless you could so show certain proofs. And I have to be careful what I say so this wouldn't get taken down. You can hear the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You can hear their hoof prints if you're listening. Then there shall be pestilence. You still with me? <laughs> okay. I promise we're having a family discussion. We're having a family meeting. Amen. In the Greek, it's loimos, which is a medical term for disease. So Jesus is saying it's plural. You have multiple pestilence and diseases. It literally means old diseases being reactivated and new diseases emerging. Now, there's always been disease, but Jesus is saying when you get to the very end, you will be hearing about all of these pestilences. Listen, no matter where you are with COVID, no matter where you are, where it came from, if it's man-made, it dominates the headlines. And this is a modern-day pandemic because it affects the entire world. That's how you know. Now, whether you think of the severity and all these other things, I'm not here to debate that. I'm just telling you, Jesus said that at the end of days, you would hear about pestilences and pandemics. There are eruptions of multiple diseases on the earth even now, from HIV to STDs to Ebola that had came back for a little while. Swine flu, bird flu, the flu, and all of these things branch off into different strands. Jesus is saying at the end of days, you will see outbreaks of these diseases. Look at what the World Health Organization says in this stage. Because remember, this is what it means in the Greek. Look at what they said in World Health Organization. In this stage of history, professionals predict that directly before us will be the emergence of new infectious diseases and a re-emergence of old diseases. Saying exactly what the Bible says. The point is, no matter where you are on the numbers, political, otherwise, no matter what it may be, Jesus said you would be flooded with this information. It takes every single news cycle. 
And these are not the tribulation plagues that wipe out a quarter of the population down the road. Number five, earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, verse 7. Earthquake is the Greek word seismos, which means multiple seismic activity. Jesus is telling us in the last days we would see multiple seismic activities in size and numerous. Diverse means in multiple places. Multiple places are multiple places at once. Look at what it says in Luke 21, 11. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs from heaven. The United States Geological Survey said that several million earthquakes happen each year. Scientists even now are on high alert of the earthquakes going off in the ring of fire that would blanket this entire nation with ash. But this tells us in Romans 8.22 that the earth is groaning for redemption. And we're here to say, earth, hold on a little longer, right? Our redemption is coming. Luke 21.25, and it says you will, there will be earth in the earth, dismay among the nations and perplexing at the roaring of the sea. That word roaring literally means an echo. I don't know if you remember the tsunami that hit Indonesia in December of 20, uh, 2004. There were people that were on the balconies as it came in and they literally said on the news, I heard them with my own ears. It sounded like a roaring lion or an echo using the same terminology that the Bible talks about. What happens is you have earthquakes that happen in these bodies of water that causes the tectonic plates to shift, which shows us just like it was in the days of Noah. Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. We always hear about tsunami warnings, earthquakes, all of these things. I constantly get updates and it's you got to turn them off. There's so many. Then it says great signs from heaven. Now, that could be solar flares, meteors, asteroids, nuclear. We just don't know. But it says it's mega, which means everybody will know what it is. Fearful signs from the heaven is where the Greeks get the word monsters. I know you're like, wait, wait, monsters? Probably monstrous activities. Let's keep going on that one. I want you to run out. Then six, persecution, Matthew 24, verses 8 through 9. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Afflicted means to feel pressure. It's the lipsis, one who is trapped and unable to move. Do you feel the pressure upon Christians today, whether it's your family, friends, society, politics that look at you, look down upon you, try to crush you for your faith? It's a picture of being bullied and harassed or threatened. Then killed means killed. It's the losing of your life. We saw this with ISIS in China, all over the world. Hatred is an utter disgust, a, a, a sitting of, of hatred, a deep-seated animosity towards the Christian faith. You see this today. Matthew 24, 10, it says that many will be offended and betray one another. Offended means is the scandalon. It's literally the trigger on the mousetrap. And it says that, you know, when you think about it, we're considered scandalous bigots who are narrow-minded. Well, I have news. We walk through a narrow gate and we walk on a narrow way. Amen? These things are happening because the, the believer is not willing to bend 
on the convictions that the world strives to throw on us because our eyes are on Jesus Christ and his word. Is this dark? No, okay. I just want to make sure because I'm feeling this like, let's get to the end. Good news is coming. Betray means to be handed over or to be led as a prisoner. Luke 21 and 12 says, but they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons. Now think about this. A per- th- this word means to put a trap, to set a trap and to set forth an entrapment. Delivering literally means to lead you as a prisoner. The synagogues in those days would have religious services, but it is also where they would bring you in if you broke the law and they would condemn you. Remember, in the time of Jesus, he was brought before the Pharisees in a kangaroo trial, and then they sent him to the Roman authorities. Now, we saw this specifically in 2020, right? As churches were being called upon for gatherings and things of that nature, pastors from all around the world were arrested and brought charges against because of the pandemic. We saw it in Canada. Christian persecution is higher today than any time in modern history. These are the stats I got. As of 309 million Christians experience high levels of persecution in the top 50 watchless countries alone. That means one in eight Christians are worldwide, worldwide, as of 2021, experience high levels of persecution and death. Now, here's the context. When Jesus said this, there was about 60 million people living in Rome. That means persecution today is five times the number of the people living during that day. Just because we're not seeing it here in the States, that's what people keep thinking. We're not in the last days because of persecution. You remember Fabian Greck, one of our dear friends of the ministry. He was here and he was telling you about the horrific things that were going on. But Jesus was showing up in dreams and visions. This is telling us that in the last days, governing powers will be able to bring judgments against those who do not comply with societal standards. Have we seen that? But the Bible says that we should not fear. Listen, anytime these things happen, God, it's like he gives us a Holy Ghost caffeine shot to the church, right? When these things happen, the church rises up. It finds this act right, right? It causes us to, to let, let loose of the trinkets and toys. God is warning this thing shooken up so that which can remain will stand and, and have a backbone of steel. Instead of creeping in the back saying, I hope Satan doesn't see me. Now, I know every time I say that, all hell breaks loose in my life. But, hey, (laughs) it's true. We do not need to be afraid of the powers of darkness. We do not have to be afraid of what is going on. God has given us his playbook and we win in the end. What's happening is we're seeing the wheat and the tares being shaken right now. That's exactly where we are. God is drawing a line in the sand. Will I be in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? These things happen so you and I can see where we are because God already knows. I want to encourage you to slow down in life. Take a step back. 
reevaluate where your passions are and then get them lined up in the kingdom of God. This is not business as usual. We need to lay down pet sins and serve with everything to make a difference in this world. You only get one shot. And when we stand before God, we do not want to be disappointed as we look on the face of our Savior and he has disappointment. We wanted to say, look, Lord, this is what we did for you. And it was you that did it. So thank you for the crown. But here you go. You are the one that enabled this. Amen. Now, I want to close with this last point. Listen, I believe that we are in a great precipice of God doing miraculous things. It's just he's just waiting for the church to wake up. We need to wake up. The alarm is here to wake you up. The thing about sleeping is you don't know that you're sleeping. You're just out. But the alarm is here to wake you up. I want to wake you up for 2022. Number seven, offense and lawlessness will be huge in the last days and can cause cold love. Matthew 24, 10 through 12, many will be offended and will betray one another. Many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And then it says, because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. One of the biggest signs that we know we're in the end of the age is offense. Offense has birth, cancel, culture. Offense is given in the world, right? We live in the world. We know Jesus said if they hated you, hey, they hated me. Lawlessness or iniquity in some translations means to live as if there is no law. Or to not care that there is law. The rampant lawlessness that we see all around us is causing cold love. And listen, I'm not going to deal really with the world. But I want to deal with us as the church. Abound means to increase to maximum capacity. To grow cold means to slowly freeze. That means when you see these things, it causes your opinions. It causes you to feel a certain way. It causes us to want to grow cold in your love. And we know that this is believers. And here's how we know. The word love is agape. The world has no ability to give agape love. It's a love that is produced by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And this is what it's saying. That love can grow cold. So if that love can grow cold, the world's love that they give stands no chance. If the love of God gives, the love of God that he gives to his people can grow cold. The love that the world gives has no shot. And listen, out of all the things that we mentioned here today, this one could completely cripple the church. It completely can cause the church to go silent. It can completely cause the church to not benefit the world and to not benefit the church. Think about this. And it says you will be deceived if you do not love the truth. The truth is God, Jesus, the church, the Bible. If we don't love these things, we have no shield of, of the world. And we will go into this mentality of offense. Out of all the cataclysmic things that we've talked about, this could literally dismantle us. Without our ability to love, we lose everything because nobody wants to hear what you have to say. 
many means most. Remember, that word offended is the trigger on the trap of the mousetrap. So what is the trigger that can cause to go off and entrap you? Right? If we fall headlong into offense and embrace the narratives which cause triggers, we can get offended. And then you don't want to hear what the church has to say. You don't want to hear what your neighbor has to say. And it causes you to wax cold. And eventually, you're looking down the road and you're like, where is my passion for God? How many of you have said that? Maybe you are waxing cold. But the good news is he can give you a hot fire for the love of the gospel, the love for your neighbor, and the love for God. We have clearly seen lawlessness in the streets and has caused everyone to have an opinion. Was it riots or protests? Right? These are the thought, the, the, the talking points that were out there. Whether you're pro-police, anti-police, Republican, Democrat, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, climate change, all of these narratives that we're just eating. We're just taking it in and it's affecting us. It's affecting our mind and it's causing us to have more of a stance than, than having a stand for the gospel. And we need to repent of these things. These are real issues and they're very unfortunate, but it should not cause the church to get divided. Listen, I want to say this. And we're closing. We not we may not be able to stop earthquakes, monsters. No, Phobotron, let's just stick with that word. Earthquakes, famines, cataclysmic events, pestilences. But we can stop ourselves from growing cold in love. Amen. We can stop the earthquakes of eruptions in our conversations with each, with, with each other. We can stop verbal assassinations and, and persecution of each other. We can stop the famines of love and respect and understanding. We can stop the deception that we take in by loving the truth. Open your Bibles and read your Bible. That is the very truth that heaven is all about. Heaven lives by the Bible. It doesn't matter what my truth is. We can stop sicknesses and callousness of our souls that lead to offense and finish this race strong. We're not running on a race on this earth. We're running a race for the kingdom of God. That is where we need to transfer our loyalties to. Stop fighting these earthly battles. Listen, the world wants you to think that there is peace and security. The world wants you to think that these things are fixable. They're not. Jesus doesn't say, all of these things get fixed and then I come back. He comes in the midst of it. You see what I'm saying? We got to go with what the Bible says. And the way that we can help in this situation is deal, I can deal with Kelly. I can deal with my family. I can deal with my circle of friends. And then that leaks into the church. And if you're dealing and living rightly and keeping your heart right and checking yourself and not listening to the garbage that's out there, Satan knows his, his time is short and he knows he's going to be sidelined and he wants to sideline you. And the way that you combat that is say, I see what's going on. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get fearful. I see that this is all part of the big plan and God is wanting me to get in the game. So it's time to dust myself off 
Weep over your life, and if it's not going like you want, dust yourself off and be grateful for the life that you have. And move forward because this thing is going to wrap up and everything that that impales us on this day will be nothing when we get to heaven. This life is not even worthy to be compared for the things that you and I, you, (laughs) I didn't say that, right? You and I, that you and I will see with our own eyes. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is soon to return. I know you've been hearing that for a long time, but I just showed you. He comes in the midst of these situations. Behold, how good and pleasant is it for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down the beard. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. There the Lord commands a blessing. This is speaking of the anointing of the whole, of the Holy Spirit. Listen, religion and ideology holds belief systems against each other because they measure them against each other. But relationship with Christ measures us against Christ. And we see that we've offended him on a day, daily basis, multiple times a day. Now I know I'm talking to a bunch of saved Holy Ghost filled people, but fix your halos. We don't always have it right. Right? Angel wings are wanting to sprout out. (laughs) I'm just joking. See, we should be standing shoulder to shoulder. Right? Protecting each other. When we see somebody get hurt over something that they see, we should come to their aid and say, hey, I understand it is this way, but keep your eyes focused this way. We need to be, like Brother Francis always said, a hospital for the hurting. Amen? But this is also a recruiting center for the army of God. And we need to get our marching orders. What happens is we get offended. We stop coming to church. Those people are this and those people are that. Let's not be those people. I know that that's out there. I, I've, I've felt this way. I've said this. I used to tell God, I don't know if I can get saved and love your people. <laughs> this is a long time ago. <laughs> Look at what it says in Luke 21, 28. This is one of my favorite verses. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up your head and straighten up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. When you see these things begin to happen, I love that. So remember, these are tribulation signs that we are seeing now. We're not in the tribulation. So what can we do? Here's the life application. See the signs and fear not. Take heed. You're seeing this because Jesus loves you. He wants you to see what's going on. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He does not want you to panic. He wants you to see the the assignments of the enemy, and he wants you to operate out of his playbook. Number two, evangelize like never before. We can evangelize. We do this by witnessing, telling people. We talk about this in Next Steps. How do you witness? You tell them your side of the story. Hey, I was this, Christ came, and now he's done this in my life. Or invite them to church, and we will tell them. Right? And then give to missions. We partner with the Surge Project, which is which uh, Brother Larry Stockstill and the Stockstill Brothers, and many different 
ministries that operate in these deep parts of the world and we give to, to that once a month. If you give to that, you're helping the gospel get out. And Jesus says, when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. You want Jesus to come? Give to missions. Number three, stay focused, stay ready, and stay connected. Right? Keep your eyes up. Don't look down. Don't be discouraged. Look at the bigger picture, which is bringing in the loss of the kingdom. Stay connected to Christ the vine and Christ the church. Stay connected to the church. And number four, keep our hearts right. Clear the offense, lay down sin, and be encouraged because your redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with every, thank you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, I am not ready for the, for these last days, I really need to give my life to the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, I need to be born again. I see your hand. This is no time to play games. Jesus is soon to return. Are you his? Come on, raise your hand if you want to get born again. I see your hand. Praise God. Let's pray this prayer as a family. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I put my faith and what you've accomplished at Calvary. And I repent and I confess that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, give them a round of applause. Praise God. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a connection card in the pew in front of you. You can bring it to the info center. We have a gift for you. If you prayed it online, you can fill it out online. And for the rest of us, can we stand? Let's just repent right now. If there's anything that we mentioned, this is the time when you come to the Lord and I'll lead you in a prayer and we'll get our hearts back on track, right? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for repentance. And we repent, Lord, of any of these areas that we have been off kiltered with. Lord, we ask you to forgive us, that you would give us clean hearts and a pure, clean hands and a pure heart. And Father, help us to operate in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the ability to be forgiven. And we put all of our faith and confidence in what you are going to do in our lives going from here forward. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Sorry it was a little longer, but if you need prayer for anything, come up. If not, you are dismissed. Have a good morning.